0: listening to the art of fulfillment podcast we interview the world's most fulfilled people to share with you the strategies techniques and ideas that can help you master your own art of fulfillment life isn't about external success it's all about fulfillment or in other words how you feel about yourself when you are by yourself What's up, fulfillment seekers? Welcome to another episode of The Art of Fulfillment. I'm so excited that you're here with me today because we have another awesome episode for you and i'm sure you're really going to love it so today we're talking with jillian botell she is a self-love expert who helps women achieve holistic health and escape negative diet behaviors after being in the fitness and nutrition industry working with clients jillian had realized that those aspects only played a small part in living a fulfilled life and that she needed to spread the message of starting from a place of respecting and appreciating yourself and your body in some her message is turning inwards before you focus on the external she is also the host of the well-balanced podcast which is all about self-love and improving your mindset around health and fulfillment and basically anything that's going to allow you to create a fulfilling life and what i can say is that i've been a guest on that show and i've listened to many episodes and it is absolutely awesome Jillian is working on developing a program that lays out how you can work towards and achieve health without the negative behaviors that traditional dieting tends to lead to. And based on the conversation that we had here and knowing her, I'm sure it is going to be a kick-ass program that will help you get the results that you're looking for in life without all the negative side effects of dieting that some of you might face in your life. So please, without further ado, Jillian Botel, welcome to the Art of Fulfillment podcast.
1: I'm so looking forward to sitting down and chatting with you. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, of course. And and yeah, I'm really excited as well. Like we were talking about before the show, how I just dove into your world after, you know, we had a mutual connection and Molly Egan and I was listening to your podcast episodes and I got a chance to read your story, which I thought was just so beautiful and awesome. So for our listeners who are may just be listening to you for the first time, what, what's kind of like your story? And I know that you're all about self-love and self-compassion and starting from a place like there when you want to transform something in your life, which I think is such an important path to take when you're looking for more fulfillment in your life so how did you you know not only get on the path to sharing that message with the world but how did you develop those qualities in yourself like what is kind of the story behind that
1: yeah so it's kind of interesting because it definitely wasn't where I started Mm -hmm. so um, about seven years ago I decided that I mean to back up just even a little bit I spent my life I live in a smaller body and but I still spent my life kind of feeling like I should always be losing that last 10 pounds and that I should be going to the gym and and if I wasn't, you know, it was something that like I felt like I should be doing. And so I thought to myself, okay, I really want to do this and I really want to hold myself accountable, but how am I going to do it so I stick to it? So I thought hey, why not do a fitness competition? Like just the most extreme thing that I could pick. And I thought, I'm going to pay a coach thousands of dollars and she will hold me accountable and I will see this goal through to the end. And so after my first born child, he was about a year when I started my um, contest prep. That's what I did. And I loved it but it also made me a little crazy and in the at the time I knew I was a little crazy but I didn't realize how crazy it made me so i mean doing a fitness competition is the extreme you are weighing every piece of food you you know it's just so in depth and really obsessive
0: mm.
1: and so i would um pack my food everywhere I went. If I was at a baby shower, I mean I would only eat like broccoli and it starts to become obsessive in your head. Anyways, I saw that competition through. I did really well in the competition and I because I'm such a goal-oriented person, like I loved that aspect of it. And so I knew that I wanted to do it again especially because I was trying to reach my pro card and I came in first in my division, but second overall. So I was close. I thought like, okay, next season I'll come in, I'll be more conditioned and I'll get this pro card. And so I got pregnant with my second child and I decided, okay, I really want to, um, stay involved in this lifestyle still. And after realizing how implementing a really strict diet changed my physique i thought man people don't realize how important nutrition is to their goals like they just think oh i want to lose weight i'm going to go to the gym 3 days a week and they you know bitch because they're not seeing results and i thought okay if i can help people achieve their goals by just dialing in their nutrition then that's what I'm going to do. So while I was pregnant with my second, I went back to school and got my sports nutrition. And I started my own business, helping clients do just that. And it was very successful. I helped a lot of clients. And I loved it. I loved helping clients reach their goals. Then I did my second competition. And at this point, my lifestyle had pretty radically changed from when I did my first competition. So like I was already eating a lot of the food that you would eat on contest prep. And obviously, like I said, you have to really dial it in, but it wasn't a far stretch. So I felt like that craziness I had before of like obsessively watching other people eat and planning like these epic cheat meals. It wasn't quite that way. So I competed again did, did really well. And like I said, that setting that really like almost unachievable goal and then just pushing myself to achieve it is an aspect of the, of competing that I really love. Mm -hmm. But, um, what I had realized is that it had started to develop some like negative behaviors Mm -hmm. and, um, like obsessing about food, constantly thinking about food, uh, things like that. And then in regards to my business, what I was starting to notice was that clients that I helped in like year one and year two of my business, they were coming back to me and they were saying like, I had great results with your plans. I just, I've fallen off track and I just need a new plan. I need to get back on track again. And it was happening more and more nights. I started thinking to myself like, okay, how can I really help these people make it a lifestyle? Because see, that's exactly what I did. I took it to the extreme. Mm -hmm. I competed in an industry that's extreme. And then I literally made it my occupation. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, client Sally over there isn't going to just drop her teaching job to become a fitness trainer so that she can live this lifestyle. But I was thinking, you know, how do I really help these women um, not go on and off and on and off and on and off. Mm -hmm. And then my own personal story kind of took a turn where in my third pregnancy, I was diagnosed with gestational diabetes. And so being already in like the diet industry, I thought to myself, okay, I was at that time, I was being told that I had type two diabetes, which is kind of interesting because I lived such a very active and healthy lifestyle but type 2 diabetes is reversible through diet it's Mm -hmm. just a very extreme uh way of living so it would be like whole food plant-based but you can essentially reverse your type 2 but after you reverse it you still have to continue with that lifestyle so I thought, you know what? This is my health. Like, I have to do this. Like, I have children that I want to see grow old. I, I have to prioritize my health to this level. So that's exactly what I did, is I went fully vegan, fully plant-based, whole food. I didn't eat anything that had, like, an ingredient, like, more than one ingredient in it. Wow. And. And again, it was packing something everywhere I went. So if we took a trip up, you know, a couple hours away to go shopping, I was packing like three meals and all my snacks. And while my family was eating at, you know, taking pizza and eating pizza in the vehicle, I was like eating whatever I was eating that day kind of thing. And it, it just was it just started to take a toll on my mental health. I remember one night I made homemade pizza for my family. And the tricky thing about diabetes without getting into it is that it's like very unpredictable and you can eat the exact same foods every day and your sugars are just not going to react the same every day. So it, there's just so many factors like how your stress level, your sleep, just so many things. So I remember feeling like I was making all of these sacrifices in regards to my diet and having issues balancing my blood sugars. Mm. And I was making this like delicious pizza and all I wanted was just a piece of pizza. And I just was thinking to myself, like, I'm 31. How am I supposed to like go on like this for the rest of my life? Like, is this realistic? And what am I doing? And then, you know, just, I felt this pressure to still, because it was, you know, because of the long-term health implications that can come with diabetes, I just thought like, no, I can't be selfish. I have to just do this. Mm -hmm. Well, it was just the food that I was eating might've been clean and whole, but my mental health was literally in the garbage can. Like it was just so bad. So I just thought, you know what? I need to take a step back. I need to reevaluate the relationship that I have with food And I just remember one night Googling um, kind of just that, like how to improve your relationship with food. And I had stumbled upon the book Intuitive Eating by Evelyn Tripoli. And I started reading it and I just like consumed everything that she had to offer on her Instagram and she has a workbook and And then all of a sudden I came to this crossroads where I was just like, okay, I've started to learn the negative side effects that dieting can have on your mental health, on your emotional health, but even on your physical health. And I thought I'm having clients constantly email me asking me for plans. And I just thought, I can't, I can't, I can't do this to them anymore because I'm seeing what just dieting does to them. They're coming back to me. They're falling quote unquote off the wagon, and." I just thought I have to be done with that avenue of it. So I completely stopped working essentially. Mm. while I started to figure out what I was going to do. And then all of a sudden I felt really passionate about helping people realize that it wasn't them that was to blame. It wasn't their lack of um, self-control. It wasn't their lack of determination that it is biologically your body working against you when you diet. And so mm-hmm. I felt this really big pull to start getting that message out there. But interestingly, where it has led me is that I realized that so many of us turn to dieting in the first place because we we're looking for it to change something or to fill something inside of us. And that is where we need to start so i am a huge proponent of living a healthy life i work out six days a week i eat food that makes my body feel good and that fuels me and gives me energy but it's not extreme it's not there's no black and white rules so so you know even though i think there's lots of misconception with intuitive eating but um, health is super important, but what happens is, is if we focus there first, first of all, we turn it into a diet. And second of all, we are not fixing the problem. Mm. So we need to back up because so many people start dieting and, and, you know, want to lose weight because they hate themselves or they, you know, strongly dislike themselves. And what i want to help teach and and the word that i want to spread is that we have to learn to love ourselves first like everything we do has to come from a place of because we love ourselves and so you can work out 6 days a week and in both situations but if you're doing it out of place of love it's different than if you're doing it out of a place of self-hate
0: mm.
1: so that's kind of where it's brought me to now. So I'm just really trying to, um, yeah, get that message out there and help women educate themselves because I wasn't aware of all of these things, all these negative side effects that dieting could have.
0: Right, right. And I so love the point where you said that a lot of people start dieting because they hate themselves and because mm-hmm. they're like, wow, like I'm a piece of shit. Like I need to like get my act together and stuff like that, which might be true in some sense, but I think there is some, there's two ways to look at it. Like you said, like, right. You can look at that as something like saying like, oh, well, I hate myself for being that way. Or you can say, well, I love myself so much. I want to take care of myself and, right. and really just appreciate it. And then I love how you say, um, in one of your podcast episodes, it's like, that's where transformation starts is like when you right. start from a place of self love instead of self hate, because if you hate yourself and I, and I love this analogy that you had in one of your podcast episodes, it's like when you listen to someone who you don't like, you don't take their opinion as valid. And so if you hate yourself, you're going to have the same way. I thought that was so, so cool. So what are kind of like the practices that like you've implemented in your life and continue to implement that like help to build that self-love and, and you know, whether it's a daily practice,
1: weekly practice, like Mm -hmm. what does this self-love kind of practice look like for you? Right. So it involved, um, kind of turning the light on in the room, if you will, because Mm -hmm. I would say that I'm like a good person. I'm kind. I'm caring. I'm not, you know, some evil person. But I think that I had um, areas of my life that I just didn't want to look at, that I wasn't being as good of a person as I could be. So it involved kind of saying, like, okay, where are you not doing so good? Like, and really taking a good, hard look at myself inwards, which is kind of like, a little scary in a sense because you're admitting to yourself these things and then once you've admitted to yourself then it's like now you've got to do something about it because you know that you're not doing good or you're being you know so that was my first step and really what it involved was um, it's a daily practice for me so typically um, I get up I journal and so I always start with gratitude. Um, I feel it's just really huge, especially to learn how to cultivate love for yourself because mm-hmm. um, I think we are so quick to find all of our flaws and all of the things we hate about ourselves that sometimes it can be really hard to like list things you love about yourself. Mm-hmm. I went to this woman's, um, it's just a day retreat. And the host of the retreat actually asked all of the women to go around. And when they introduced themselves, she said, tell us something that you love about yourself. And I have never felt so much uncomfortableness in one room than with these like 30 women, because I feel for women, it's, it's layered. So it's that we don't want like our best friend over they're feeling bad about herself because I feel really good about myself. So then we don't want to shine our light too bright, mm-hmm. and we feel like if we say I really love this about myself, that people will judge us for being boastful and cocky and overconfident and and so it's just layered. And I think that you have to um, start to like get to this l- l- level where you feel comfortable being. Um, proud of yourself, being happy Mm -hmm. with things about yourself and confident about yourself. But I have to put it into daily practice. So I do a lot of um, where I envision my future self, Mm. like guided meditations around that, and who that, who I look like in five years from now and 10 years from now. And then, um, and I'm trying to think what else I do, like, to implement it I mean I'm just constantly always like whether it is listening to a podcast whether it's reading a book um, I'm just trying to do that inner deep work those like figuring out where your belief systems kind of stem from and how you can like reframe your belief systems that you have with yourself and stuff like that so it's really just kind of those types of things
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought it was really interesting that you started from the place of like looking at yourself and being like, hey, like, where am I not doing so good at? Because I think the notion of that practice in today's kind of culture is like, oh, if you do that, like, you know, then it's like self shaming. It's like, well, no, not exactly. Like, if you allow it to be self shaming, like, it will be. But I love the way that you pointed out it's like you're saying, like, well, I'm like looking at this because I want to do something about it. And I'm looking at that because again, it's like an act of self love. I'm doing this because I care about myself and I really want the best for myself. So I thought it was a really interesting place to start um, that answer. And I absolutely love the, the future self visualization and the journaling Mm -hmm. and, and the gratitude practice. I think those are just so powerful and I do the gratitude. I do the journaling. I haven't done the future self one as much. uh, So I know I have. And, and I mean, it seems so much powerful um, when it comes from you because seeing how, you know, fulfilled you are in your life and how happy you are on your journey and everything like that. So I can tell that it's a very powerful practice. And I know like you also mentioned the inner work kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I understand like from personal experience and also from listening to other people, and I'm sure you can attest is like, that stuff isn't easy. Like it can be very, very difficult. And there was a, a really interesting post that you put out yesterday that I actually reposted that I thought was awesome. It was like, and if I might be totally misquoting this, but it was like, if you're struggling, it doesn't mean you're failing. So right. like, could you talk about like what that means? Because inevitably, when people go through self-work, they're going to they're gonna find struggle. And I mm-hmm. love the way that you frame it. So, so what does that kind of mean? And how does that like play into your life? And how can it play into others?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that's why we turn to outside sources like, say, dieting, Mm -hmm. because it's a distraction from the inner work. It's a distraction from dealing with why don't we like ourselves? Why don't we feel comfortable in our own bodies when we're sitting in a room alone with ourselves? Do we like who we are? But we can distract ourselves with, you know, measuring and weighing out food and, you know, obsessing over how many calories we've burned. So it is not fun work. And Mm -hmm. actually, sometimes I find that when I'm really, I go through phases where it's like, I'm really all about it. And I'm really about like digging deep. And I actually find that during that time, I'm like a little like irritable. Like, I'm just like, Oh, something's like, what is pissing me off? Like, why is everyone kind of getting on my nerves? But it's like, you're bringing up all of this stuff inside of you that you've like, you know, you know, but you've kind of repressed. And so, but I think sometimes we have this idea. I was just talking to a girlfriend about this, that you know, we get to this place of like enlightenment and with social media and stuff, it's so easy to look at someone and be like, oh my gosh, I think like she has a perfect relationship with her husband. She's the best mother. Look at her. She like loves her body. She loves herself. She's confident. I just don't know if that person exists. I think we make people out to exist like that. And that's why I feel like when we're struggling, because like you said, that self-growth is hard work. We feel like we're failing. Mm -hmm. And I've really just tried to reframe failure in my mind that there's just no such thing, just ever. There's just no such thing as failure to me because I just think it's either a lesson learned or it's growth. And so it's just like, do you ever really fail? Are we failing even as, as mothers, as women, as wives, as husbands, as, you know, like we aren't, failing ever. If, if, especially if you're someone who's just trying, if you're trying, you're not failing, you know? And so yeah, that quote just really resonated with me because I just thought like, sometimes you're just struggling and you're just struggling and it just, just keep going, you know, just keep digging, keep finding that out. Yeah
0: hmm Yeah. And I love how you said that reframing failure to be like there is no such thing, right? Cause it's cool. either well, I love that you said that. It's either you learn or you succeed. And either way, mm-hmm. like you're winning in that sense. Right. And I think that's so cool. And so like what are some other things that you think like people can learn how to like reframe? I mean, we talked about, you know, reframing like how we look at ourselves and reframing failure, but what are some other like reframes that you kind of use to to help you in your life and others may use to like help them, you know, make a transformation in whatever area of their life that they want to make?
1: Yeah, so what I think we get accustomed to doing is being negative, Um, Mm -hmm. seeing the negative. It's just like we know now that like scientifically that's how our brains work. So it's really all about reframing. It's about constant reframing. So that's why I start with gratitude. And what I've realized is that a gratitude practice has to be so much more than just like, I'm thankful for my cup of coffee. I'm thankful for my warm house. I'm thankful for my children the whole purpose of a gratitude practice for me is so that I can actually approach my day differently. Mm. So, I mean, it's, I've went through these different, um, stages, if you will, of like my journaling where it was just that it was just, I get up in the morning, I'd write a few things I was grateful for. I'd write a few goals that I've already achieved in like, you know, in, in um real time so it would be something i haven't achieved but i would write it as if it's already happened and then i'd close my journal and then i'd carry on with my day but i wasn't living out what i really wanted to and that's where i feel like actually the future visualization and it can just be like 10 minutes in the morning where you just take time and you sit and you um get into this relaxed calm state and you realize that okay So there's a world outside of us, but there's a world inside of us. And Mm -hmm. if we can get into this place, then we can take that calmness, that, you know, peacefulness um, everywhere with us. It doesn't matter where we are. And when you envision that future self and you kind of work on saying, I'm going to bring that future self that I see in five, 10 years right now. And embody what they do right now then it starts to carry on and that practice actually starts to bleed into your life versus just being this like I start my journaling and I stop my journaling and then I go on and I'm a maniac for the rest of the day you know (laughs) so it is constantly about reframing and I just feel like because of the way our minds work and because of the society that we live in and that it is you know can have a very negative tone if you will, that it has to be a daily practice. It has to be, okay, what can I thank my body for? Especially if you're someone who is in a place of um, not appreciating yourself, don't feel like you have self-love, let alone even self-appreciation. It has to be a practice that you put into place. And so it's really about reframing all of those things that you once thought about yourself into something else. Now, I also want to say that, um, let's just say you're someone who, you just hate your body. Saying, I love my body, I love my body, I love my body, is not going to work. You're just going (laughs) to feel like, I'm just bullshitting myself. Like, I know I'm bullshitting myself. Like, I don't love my body. So you have to... Make these practices like really work for you. So it's about finding something that you're either completely neutral about if you, if there's something you don't love, but you have to start somewhere where you are starting to retrain how your mind views everything around you. And it is a powerful practice. And when you put it into play, it will literally affect Every area of your life. Like your relationships will change, your work will change. Just it really improves all areas of your life.
0: Mm -hmm. And I totally agree with you that it has to be a daily practice because we have this 2 million year old brain that literally was designed to help us to survive. And to your point, like it's always trained to see the negative stuff and, and that's what's going to come easy to us. So we have to do the work every single day to train it, to see what's right in ourselves, to train it, to see what's right in the world and what's right in others, because that's how we do it. And I, I love all those practices that you gave and I love all, all of the, the insights into it, especially around the point of, you know, just making the conscious effort to make it that daily practice and that staple and to bring the essence of the practice throughout the day. Cause I think that's something that a lot of people miss and something that I admittedly have done uh, numerous times, just like, okay, I'm just going to journal day, check the box, whatever. Totally. But then when you have that intention to bring it throughout the rest of your day, I think that's where it can be really powerful. So like, I love all these things that you're giving. Cause I think if people listen to this and actually do the stuff that you're saying, they're going to go on and be on a path towards transformation. But you know, what do you think, would be the, the thing that you would say, or maybe something that helps you to kind of uh, do the work and when it seems like something that's scary or something that's hard or something like that. So I, th- I guess the real question that I'm trying to ask is like, how do you deal with the fear that kind of comes along the way? Because any grand goal, any grand transformation, as we both know, is going to be scary. It's going to be scary. So how do we deal with like fear itself?
1: It's hard because I've tried to educate myself to realize um where fear stems from and like Mm -hmm. what fear is trying to do. And a lot of times fear is like your ego trying to get into the way of you changing who you are because we don't like change. We change is unpredictable. Right. So sometimes I mean, what I would say is put yourself in a position where you are either whether it's like a coach or a friend, or someone that you confide in. But put yourself in a position where you are still forcing yourself to push through that fear. And maybe mm-hmm. it's even just as simple as educating yourself on, like, what is fear? Where does it stem from? Why do we have fear? And then you kind of realize that, like, fear is nothing to fear. Mm-hmm. I know that's like, sounds silly, but it's just that if we don't feel like we can fail, and we know that fear is just kind of our ego, our getting in the way of us really growing and changing and evolving, then we can just say like, "Piss off like let's just let's just do this, let's just keep doing it." And I think what we make the mistake of doing is we're looking ten steps ahead, and that's why we feel fear. so what we need to do is just stop, stop looking for. About tomorrow, stop looking at what your life's gonna look like, you know, or how this is going to affect you, and just focus on today. Like, what can you do today? Today is tangible, today is achievable, you know? Mm -hmm. What can we do today? And let's just not focus on the fear. And it comes back again to almost that redirecting. You just need to refocus. So when you start to feel the fear, it's like we can acknowledge that the fear is there and that we're scared, but then let's just let it be. I just try to push it aside and just say, like, I'm not all about exploring all of these things that my mind wants to go and tell me every reason why I can't do this, even though it's like we all feel those things, you know, and I just try to say, like, no, I just have to refocus.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And it's all about like reframing your perspective, right? Like, is when you can change your perspective about things, like yeah. the things that are around you, essentially change because perceptions, everything, right? Like, it's not it's not the facts that screw us up; it's the perception of the facts that screw us up. So, all it takes is just to reframe it, see things in a different way, and ultimately, like, there's really nothing to fear in yeah. fear itself, right? It's it's really a beautiful concept. So, I think again, people are taking all these things and they can transform. What, what are kind of some other things that you would recommend to someone who wants to make a change, whether it's something in their, in their body? And, and I know we've kind of like touched on those topics a bit, but like what, do, what do kind of like what are some other supplemental practices that people can do to change, whether it's their health, whether it's their, their, their mindset, whether it's their relationships, anything like that. What are some additional things that, that you use in your life, I, I should say, um, that have helped you to make the transformations um, along your journey, along with the other stuff that we've been talking about?
1: Yeah. So I think, um, and you initially need to turn inwards to make Mm -hmm. those changes. So turn inwards and take a really good look at yourself and ask yourself why you were doing things because going, you know, eating healthy and, and say working out, whether that's like a walk, whether that's yoga, whether that's weightlifting, whatever it is, those things are good for us. There's, you know, like it, it's really healthy for our body. It's healthy for our heart. It's healthy. But, so I encourage people to form healthy habits. Um, Yeah, so like I I said, I move my body six days out of the week because of the benefits it has. You just have to, if you're someone who's doing it from a weight loss perspective, start to explore what are the other reasons, what are the other benefits of exercise outside of weight loss, because there are a lot. And Mm -hmm. if your body doesn't lose a single pound, it's still beneficial for you to move your body. Mm -hmm. And to take a look at, um, are you fueling your body properly? I think so many times we get to this place where we, we don't think we need to be parented anymore. We, I feel like we go from having parents and hopefully our parents telling us, you know, looking out for us. Um, and then we become these young adults and we're free to do whatever we want. And sometimes I think we need to get to a place where we have to parent ourselves. And that's where true self-care comes into place is parenting yourself. So it's saying, okay, I know that I want to stay up and watch Netflix till 1130, 12 o'clock at night, but I need to go to bed. I need to shut the TV off and I need to get into bed at a decent time. Then it's like, I also, it's like, I'm feeling sluggish all day. Well, I need to nourish my body. You have to do these things. You know, you have to parent yourself. You can't just you know, have no boundaries for yourselves and think that you're just going to feel good and going to be productive. And so I feel like it's very holistic in the sense that like, we need to take care of our mental health. That's where the things like gratitude practice and, um, and journaling and envisioning and stuff like that comes in, but we need to take care of our physical body too. And we need to, um, get to a place where we realize that there's just benefits to doing those things that are outside of weight loss. It just is not necessarily, um, yeah. Weight focused.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And like a lot of the principles that you can loot, like learn from, uh, from the dieting process and the exercise process are, like applicable to everyday life. Like I just had a, we just had a podcast interview with a trainer who is all about diet and fitness, but like literally I was telling him, I was like, dude, everything you're saying can like literally apply to life. And it's yeah. it's so awesome. And, and even so with this, um, with with your whole journey on learning about intuitive eating and finding like sustainable ways for dieting and stuff. And I think there, there's a lot more balance in kind of your approach and I'll be, I'll be honest with you. So for me, like I think I, I take a very strict approach, but like it, it works for me personally. And I, and I'm fully understandable that like, it doesn't work for everybody. And like, I get it. Like it, it's totally, um, understandable. So I think you could definitely explain this a lot better than me. Um, how do we learn how to kind of like find the balance between, like you said, like the parenting yourself, but also at the same time to also, you know, enjoy your life. Like, like you said, like, you know, maybe having like a, a pizza every once in a while. Cause I think there's two kind of things there that, maybe can uh, tip people over in a certain direction, right? Like you have like the one that says like, oh, well, if I, you know, have this one piece of pizza and this is me talking, like this is is what goes through my mind personally. It's like, if I have this one piece of pizza, then like it means like I'm off track or something like that. And number two, it's like saying like, oh, well, if I go towards that path, like I'm just going to keep going. Like I have like no self-control. So how do we kind of balance those two things? I know that was a very long-winded question there.
1: No, no. And I feel like this is like, the struggle of life, like balance. Like, isn't that mm-hmm. what we're all seeking is like balance in all areas of our life, and that's where the struggle comes from? Mm-hmm. And I probably, due to my history, I'm very much like you too. Like, I'm okay with um, eating the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. I think because for the last like seven years, my body was trained, my mind was trained to think like food is fuel. So, like, I'm just like, oh yeah, I'll just eat this and I'll be a good. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. And that isn't that's where a lot of confusion with intuitive eating comes in. And that's even where I was confused with it at the beginning, because I thought, I thought, well, like eating everything and anything isn't healthy either. Just like, you know, you can't just, just because you want Oreo cookies doesn't mean you should have them for supper.
0: Right.
1: So there is, that's where the parenting comes in. That's where we know that we need food to sustain us. We need energy to sustain us. So we need to nourish our bodies, but the balance comes into play where, it's just, it's so tricky. And like you said, it's, it's really individualized as to what works for you. And I would say, ask yourself questions. Do you feel like it's taking away from your life? So if you go out with your friends, um, is your head consumed with, I shouldn't eat that pizza. I want the pizza, but I can't eat it. Or then you eat the pizza and then are you sitting there thinking like, shit, I should not have ate that pizza. Or then, like you said, now I'm four pieces in and now I really feel like a piece of shit because I just can't stop. Mm -hmm. So I would say like, if you're at that place where you're out with your friends and you're not completely present with them, because you're consumed with like food talk in your head, then maybe that's an area where you need to look at a little bit closer. Because just from personal experience, that's where dieting had led my head. I could not eat something without literally, I was like all walking my fitness pal. I'd like pop that in my mouth and I'd be like, that's 63 calories. That's 127 calories. I just couldn't. It wasn't even consciously that I was trying to. I just couldn't eat without tallying. The amount of calories I was eating, even on like a rest day, I still would do it
0: mm-hmm. because
1: that was just the way my ma- brain was conditioned. And so, you have to ask yourself: Is that a sustainable way to live your life? Are you being fully present? And is it taking away from things that maybe matter more, like relationships? And so, like I said, I'm I'm a huge proponent of a healthy, living a healthy life um, lifestyle, but sometimes really easily these dieting behaviors can just take us start to take us down a path that isn't super healthy for us to go down Mm -hmm. and it starts slowly like and then before we know it, we're at this place where it's an obsession it's all we talk about it's all we think about we surround ourselves with like you know like-minded people who just want to talk about food and how to bulk and how to lean cut and all these things and And it's not that there's nothing wrong with like setting a goal and achieving it. And if that means, you know, like you're manipulating your food a little bit, then then that's for you to decide where, if that's healthy for you or not, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's just a fine balance because, um, I just find that I know a lot of people start to have this disordered eating behavior around food from just simply dieting. Mm -hmm. so disordered eating isn't like an eating disorder like bulimia or anorexia it's more just where you're like say binging so maybe you let yourself have a piece of pizza and then all of a sudden you're like four or five pieces in and really it's interesting because when you start to explore what intuitive eating is and what dieting does you start to realize that when we restrict ourselves we when we restrict ourselves a certain food, it puts that food like on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden we just like, I, I remember, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Like I would have my cheat meals on Sunday and on Monday I was planning my cheat meal for next Sunday. And I was like, (laughs) okay, I'm going to bake brownies so I can have like a half a pan of brownies. I really want pizza. And I can't decide if I want to go sweet or savory. So I'm going to make both. And it was just crazy. Instead of just like, getting to a place where I could have a healthy relationship and say like, Hey, if you want a pancake today, I know it's Monday and you're supposed to be eating six cups, you know, or six egg whites and a half a cup of oats, but like, just have a pancake and then move on. And then you're not obsessing over the pancake, you know? So Mm -hmm. it can start to promote this really negative behavior and obsessions with food. So I think you just have to keep yourself in check and, and ask yourself, like, are these behaviors kind of starting to take a negative tone?
0: hmm Yes. Oh my gosh. And I was sitting there thinking like, holy shit, this was actually happening to me a lot when I first started on my thing. So like I, when I first started to get into dieting or I should, shouldn't say dieting, but eating better, um, mm-hmm. I like followed a super strict paleo diet, like super strict, um, for like a year, but like, I think back now, and I actually, it's funny. I've never actually thought about it until this moment, until you were talking about it, was that there were moments in my life where I would literally be at the dinner table with my family and there'd be like a bread on the table. And the only thing going through my head was like, don't eat that bread, don't eat that bread, don't eat that bread. And it was totally taken away from the experience that I was having, you know, with my family and with who I was with. So I'm sitting here like, holy shit, like that—that <laughs> that is so true. Like I, I get that. I think now I've developed a much healthier relationship around food and have taken that restrictive boundary off of myself. Like I give myself a cheat day every once in a while now, uh, which has been like pretty beneficial to, to my own mental health. But I think that's so, so important for people to understand is like, if it's going into the areas mm-hmm. and affecting negatively the things that really are important to you, then mm-hmm. it's something that you got to reconsider and tweak because in the end of the day, like, our life and this show too is all about fulfillment and how we feel about our life, right? We want to feel good. So if we want to feel good and feeling good requires us to spend time with the important things, if it's getting into our important stuff, I think it's so important for us to kind of take a step back and be like, maybe we need to change things. And I know we're coming to the tail end of the podcast and I I'm kicking myself for not asking you this question earlier because I think it would have been uh, a, a really good question early on. But, but like, what was the realization? Like, I know you said like, there was a point where you started to realize like, oh my gosh, like I need to change things. Like, you know, it's just not working for me. Like what, what kind of caused that insight for you? Because like, like, was it something that just sparked it? Like an event that kind of, you know, triggered, did you like read a book or something? Like, like, what was the, I'm always fascinated to see like what the tipping point is for people. So what was it like for you in your
1: journey? You know, I started to realize that I was doing things like sneaking food in my own house. And like oh, wow. my husband is a very non-judgmental, kind, sweet person. And so I I was like I would take a handful of cereal and I would like walk with it and then go to a bedroom and then just like scarf it down. And I was just like, what am I doing? Like, this is my home. Like, who am I hiding from? But I felt like he's going to have judgment on me and they're going to have judgment on me. And it's no, it was a judgment I had on myself. But I started to realize that I had these really negative behaviors. So sneaking food or It was funny because I would do so good. I'd stay on track, stay on track, stay on track for, you know, 14 days or a month or whatever. And then it was always in the evening. Usually I would just like break one evening and I would eat. Okay. I have this weird thing with cereal, (laughs) So for me, it was just like, if there's a sweet cereal in the house, like I could eat a box of cereal, like nobody's business. So (laughs) I would in one evening, like eat six cups of Cheerios or 10 cups of Cheerios and then grab like anything and everything. And it was like, I would just be like, you know what? I just got to get it out of my system tonight and I'll wake up tomorrow and tomorrow's a new day and I'll be on track again. And I started to think to myself, like, this is fucked up. This Mm -hmm. is not normal behavior. My husband has like a very healthy, I would say relationship with food where like if there's a plate of donuts in front of him and he wants a donut, he'll have one but if he doesn't want one, he won't. And it would drive me crazy. Like if I was dieting and there was dessert and he would just say like, Oh, I'm actually just too full. I'd be like, you're not going to eat that. Like, why not? Like, look at, just have a bite. Who cares if you're too full, like push past it. Like it was like, I could not understand why he wasn't force feeding himself this cheesecake because Mm -hmm. that's what I wanted to do. I wanted this cheesecake and I felt so deprived from this cheesecake and it, it started to like, bleed into areas even with my children like I would buy them things that like I'd buy my four year old a full-size chocolate bar just because it's like I probably wanted the full-size chocolate bar and I'd be like here Boston like help yourself you can just go buck wild like so I started to realize that like these are some negative behaviors that aren't normal like Mm -hmm. and I mean I think they're more normal than a lot of people admit like I you know, once I started talking, I, there's so many women I talk to and so many men I talk to who, who feel like they sneak food, um, that they have this unhealthy relationship with food. It's an obsession when they're not eating it, they're thinking about it. And I, I just thought to myself, like, I need to change. And when there was a point where I thought I was modeling really good behavior to my children. So And this is what's funny. I would make my family something and it was relatively, like I said, we're not like unhealthy. So I would say like, let's say I make them spaghetti. So I'd make my family spaghetti and I would sit down and I'd have my four ounces of chicken with a half a cup of rice and a cup of broccoli. And I would sit down at the table and I would eat something completely different from them. And I would be like, look, mom's eating her healthy food. I'm eating my broccoli. I'm eating my chicken. Like I thought I was modeling good behavior to them. Mm. And then I realized, no, that's just extreme. That's just teaching them that like, you have to sneak food. You have to sneak food you want instead of just like sitting down. And what happens is when you get to this place where say you're sneaking food, you're not enjoying food. Mm. You're not enjoying what you're eating. And then you're having so many emotions afterwards of like guilt and shame that those are wreaking more havoc on your body than if you would have just sat down, ate the chocolate bar and enjoyed it. Like, that's what I tried to would stress even is that like, we have to bring enjoyment back to eating. And so what I've realized now and come full circle is when you give yourself unconditional permission to eat anything, at first you go a little crazy, especially if you're someone who's been dieting. Mm -hmm. And it's scary because it's like the floodgates open and you're just, Free to choose all these things. It's scary. Oh, yeah. And you really test yourself. You're like, you're like, I okay, I'm gonna let myself, but like you have to prove to yourself that you're gonna let yourself. But this is what's interesting is that after you build up trust with yourself that you can eat whatever you want if you are craving it, you have a clearer mind. So nine times out of ten, I'll say. Oh, that chocolate bar kind of sounds good. Maybe I'm checking out at the grocery store and I'll like see a Snickers and I'll be like, Oh, that looks good. And I'll be like, you know what? It'll just give me a headache. I just like, won't feel good. I, I prefer to have like, you know, an apple with some peanut butter and or something like that. I mean, Mm -hmm. maybe that one time out of 10, I choose the chocolate bar and I enjoy it is the key thing. And then I, Mm -hmm. I can really enjoy it. I just eat it. I move on kind of thing. So it was behaviors like that, that I just thought, this has got to change. Like I cannot be sneaking food in in my own house. And that was the one night where I made pizza that night for my family. I felt so deprived. My, I went to bed a little earlier and my husband was watching a movie in our living room. And I remember sneaking out to get more cereal And I came out like four times because I was just like refilling my bowl, refilling my bowl. And I was like, oh, I hope he doesn't hear me because he's probably thinking like, what the hell is she doing? Really? He probably wasn't. And I just thought to myself, like, this is messed up. This is Mm -hmm. a messed up behavior that, you know, dieting has caused my, my head to go on. So then I, that is literally the turning point where I was just like, I was like, how do I fix this? Like Google, tell me where to turn. Mm -hmm. And that's when I found intuitive eating.
0: Yeah. Wow. I love that story. And I love how it's like, it literally embodies a notion of like in life, it either takes like inspiration or desperation. And at that point it's like, holy shit, I need to change this stuff. And, and I love how you also explained like the concept of like how you can actually gain more self-control, like through this process. And trust me, like, I feel you when you say like, when you first start to let yourself go, like this Thanksgiving, I was like, fuck it. Like it's Thanksgiving. I'm going to enjoy myself and i'll be honest here like people know like on the show like i'm always talking about having a clean diet but let me tell you on thanksgiving i ate in a fucking amount that was like literally like you said you're like holy crap like even my parents were like oh my gosh like oh yeah um but i enjoyed it first and foremost but second of all like when i have my cheat days too it's like now i can like think about it and i'll be like yeah like i don't need to go overboard like i don't need to like every once in a while like yeah sure maybe but like you gain that sense of like saying like, oh, like, I know it's not going to make me feel great. Because after that Thanksgiving dinner, let me tell you, I did not feel very great. And now I'm like thinking to myself, like, yeah,
1: like, maybe next time it won't go that hard. And I know. Right. And it really, it goes back to the intention behind it. So like, if I'm going to indulge and have something, I want the intention to stem from a place of love. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to go, okay, I'm going out with my girlfriends tonight. I'm going to have some wine. I'm not going to think about the wine. I'm going to order some food. I'm not going to think about the food. I'm going to be present. I'm going to be in the moment. And those things are just going to add to my enjoyment level. Mm -hmm. And sometimes also when I choose healthy food, it's the same thing. It's going, I want to nourish my body. No, I want energy. I want to feel good. That's why I'm choosing this food. I'm not choosing this food because, um, You know, I want to lose that last five pounds. I'm not choosing that food because I really want to lower that body fat percentage by a couple of percentages. It's like, I want to feel good. So it really comes down to you can do the exact same thing. And if the intense, if your intentions are negative versus positive, it's just going to have such a different outcome. So it's like, it's all about where that intention comes from. Eating healthy and living an active lifestyle, like I said, it's huge, it's important. But the intention behind it has to be from a place of love and from a place of having respect for yourself, not from hate and mm-hmm. trying to change yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. And I love that that's the message that you talk about in your podcast and you talk about all on your Instagram and that's what you're all about. And I think that's such an important message for the world uh, to hear, especially at this time when everything can be so negative and people are so hard on themselves. And I'm sure it breaks your heart as much as I am to see like a lot of people just totally beat themselves up into oblivion and, mm-hmm. and, you, it's, I can genuinely feel that, you know, you want for people just to, to love themselves and to see the benefits that it not only will give them, but what it has given you in your own life. And I think that's so awesome. And so coming to the tail end of the podcast here, before I ask my last question, where can our listeners find your podcast, find more about you on social media and, and where can they dig into your world even more if they want to learn more about what you're about and what you're up to and what you have to share to the world?
1: Yeah. So my podcast is pretty much on any platform that you can listen to a podcast. It's called the well-balanced podcast. So check it out. We go into like, yeah, like you said, just deeper discussions around self-love and self-worth and acceptance. We dive into the intuitive eating aspect of things, diet culture a little bit. And then you can find me on Instagram at, at Jillian Botel.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And guys, I totally suggest that you dig into her world. I mean, I brought on the podcast for the reason I don't just bring on anyone. Like I actually do my research on her and I loved her content and what she was about Listen to her podcast. And so that's why I got her on. And I'm sure that if you dig into her world and listen to what she has to say, you will totally have an improvement of your life. I have no doubt about that. Okay, Jillian. So for my last question here, what does fulfillment mean to you and what fulfills you in life?
1: So Fulfillment means, ooh, that's like a loaded question.
0: (laughs) I always Uh, always put it the last one too.
1: (laughs) I know. Okay, without getting too long-winded, I think I feel most fulfilled when I'm working on myself, not in a selfish surface level way, but just really deep working, like how can I be more present today? How can I be a better mother today? How can I be a better wife? So I feel like my fulfillment stems from there. And I feel like when I... And coming from that place, then my fulfillment as being a mother and a wife and helping spread this, you know, message just is amplified. So really, mm-hmm. that's what I feel like fulfillment is, is really just um, helping and sharing this message. And yeah, I
0: love that. I love that. Jillian, you're awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
0: All right, everyone, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Art of Fulfillment podcast. I can't tell you how much we appreciate you spending your time listening to this podcast, investing in your mental health, and ultimately creating the path that's going to lead you to a fulfilling life because that is what we're all searching for you can find us on Instagram at Art of Fulfillment you can find me on Instagram at Joe Corcion. and feel free to send me or that account a DM with any questions that you may have in your life anything you're stuck with anything that you know you have questions on in life we're more than happy to help that's why we created this podcast that's why I do what I do every single day because I'm here to serve you and I'm here to help you create a fulfilling life for yourself All right, fulfillment seekers, that's all for today. We cannot wait to be with you again next Wednesday. And remember, create a fulfilling life for yourself.